This is the Nips and Sips podcast show featuring two fellowship trained board certified orthopedic and sports physical therapists. Join us as we talk all things physical therapy, manual therapy, performance, education, research, and of course, Sips. Hey everyone, this is the Nips and Sips podcast and uh, featuring me, I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd and my partner in crime over there, Dr. Brandon Cruz. Today we're going to be talking about managing the runner. Uh, I'm sure we all have some runners who are a little bit finicky and are coming back for a couple things here and there. Uh, so it's a good thing to talk about because we haven't brought it up on the show quite so much. But uh, before we get into it, Brandon, how's it going? Going well, Jer. How, how are things on your end? I know you've been kind of out and about. Um, this actually just for our audience, uh, probably take a little break, right? Cause you're going on, uh, going to Italy for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. As long as, um, as long as it goes down with everything, uh, travels becoming, seems like it's becoming a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Uh, we recently were supposed to go to a wedding in Bermuda that we couldn't go to because of some COVID stuff. Um, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully all goes down. Should be a blast. Uh, haven't been to Italy yet, so Fingers crossed. Yeah, I'll be out there probably for two weeks. Um, and then uh, I think of the last hurrah before, uh, before we work on some other projects at home. Yeah, yeah. Fall's going to fall's gonna be busy for, for both of us. Uh, definitely looking forward to today's uh, podcast. Going to be talking about managing the runner, um, as, as Jeremy said there. So uh, probably less article based on, on this one and more, I guess, uh, anecdotal and, and just kind of our experiences and sharing, um, you know, our philosophies and treating these types of, um, of people. But uh, before we do that, let's go into our usual um, drink or drinks of choice today. So what do you got, Jay? All right. I got chill whip. As in, it's a whip briar uh, with my homies by uh, Neck of the Woods Brewing, uh, which is uh, local to me in Pittman, New Jersey. Uh, really, uh, really cool brewery, uh, kind of a woodsy camping sort of style feel to it. Love the guys over there. Um, Devin is the, one of the owners of brewers over there and, uh, we get to see his daughter for uh, a surgery. So, uh, he brought over some awesome beers. Uh, it's actually where I also play, uh, my men's league soccer, which we're on a two game win streak after losing four, the first four. So, uh, we're finally getting it down. Um, but uh, let me uh, crack this puppy open. Thanks, Devin. You guys two and four now? We're two and four. Um, we, had, we had to figure it out. First couple of games, we didn't uh, – our goalie wasn't in. Uh, I tried to play offense, which I probably shouldn't have. Uh, so I moved back to defense, and we're finally kind of getting in sync with things. So the team that mopped the floor with us the first game, 13 to fours, I think it was the biggest deficit Jeez. in the league thus far. Uh, we beat them last night, seven to six. There it is. The five. So, um, yeah, it was nice. So, if we win the next two games, we have a doubleheader next week. Uh, we're, uh, we're probably in the playoffs, but let me uh, cheers. This is from Gale so, Brewing Company. I think I went to them in the Finger Lakes. Uh, they weren't bad, small, but not bad. Oh, that's good. Classic wit. Got that. Uh, I've had a couple of these over the summer. Um, got kind of that oaksy kind of taste to it, kind of lighter of the 
later with the beers and wheat. Has some coriander, orange, lime peel, peppercorns, lemongrass. Uh, so a lot of fun stuff in here. Uh, nice spice to it. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a seven point nine. That's the first number that came to my mind. But uh, it, nice job by uh, the guys at Neck of the Woods. But Brandon, what about you? Good stuff. I'm. Uh, I went back to my Herodera that Franklin got me. It was just really smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have another tequila, brand new tequila that someone got me. Uh, Manny, another former intern, did a great job. Just finished up. He's now graduated and just waiting on taking his boards. Uh, so. I was going to grab that and I will Manny, but I, just, this bottle was speaking to me. It was so smooth last time I, I had a, I had to give it another go. So that's where, <laughs> that's where I'm going with this one again. So thanks Frank. Uh, actually I got to reach out to Frank to see, uh, oh, no, he didn't take the boards. Um, he's, he's just finishing up his internship too. He has to, at uh, another location, but I will uh, make a shout out to my man, eight cakes um alan trinidad former student of mine now new hire uh just finished his rotations and just got news on tuesday that he passed his board so big shout out to my man there on on that so he's going to be starting uh the end of uh end of the month really uh with us he's just going to go on some vacations well-deserved time off and some downtime before he uh he jumps into it. So, uh, congrats, A Cakes. Congrats. And, uh, Cheers, dude. See you on the other summer, man. All right. With that, oh, let me get my what the palette before we start. There we go. There we go. All right. Managing the runner. Uh, I'm presuming we're talking the marathoner, the Long ultra distance. marathoner, the distance runner, not the sprinter right now, which maybe we can have a different uh, episode on that. But uh, I think when we hear runner, we're we're thinking those uh, distance runner, their endurance runner, uh, maybe the triathlete or um, as well. So just, I guess, just to let everybody know what um, frame of mind we're coming from and what this is going to be on. So Jerry, how many or how often are you seeing runners still? I know you've switched more to, you know, the high school college athlete. Are you seeing cross country um runners are you still getting people that do marathons uh what are you seeing on your side um yeah so it definitely has changed um but i still get runners we still have a good reputation amongst the runners uh currently like right now i have two fairly recreational runners but they're at like the 60 to 80 mile running miles per week so they they do it very regularly one of them i think he reported he once had the fourth fastest mile time in the country or something like that it was like four minutes uh, 10 or four seconds um so that's one of them or two of them husband wife i uh, can see why they're together um and they're two very elite level gymnasts so it's a nice fun little party at the end of the day for me um and we have a triathlete uh and a couple of just recreational runners will do like spartan runs and half marathons and stuff so um just a good good overall mix um i only have the the couple right now but what about you brandon what are you seeing yeah i mainly see especially in my neck of the woods very uh running is um you know one probably one of the biggest what you got there? What did the bottom say? Oh, neck of the woods. I was oh, there you go. Paid for, uh, not paid for advertisement. Paid for <laughs> we got to get sponsored one of these days. Yeah, we got we to work on that. Like Joe Rogan, he's always repping something. So is right or 
weed or something. I don't know. He's always doing something. He does it right. We need alcohol um, companies. What's that, up? That's the only one. Only sponsorships will allow is alcohol companies. Yeah, so. yeah, that's all we can get. I don't know if that'll lead to something good at the end of the day. I might turn on some <laughs> alcoholics here, but um, what was my? Oh yeah, running, recreational running, distance running is big in my area. From merit, you know, five k, ten k's, um, these bike tours. I know it's biking. Uh, triathlons, marathons, uh, you know, I have runners by me that are literally, I have one right now that she's doing like three marathons in three months or something like that. Oh. Uh, actually four, cause one's going to be recorded or you submit a time or something now with COVID and everything. Um, so I see, I do see a lot we're involved, uh, and definitely more so was involved with a local running group. Nice. Um, before COVID, COVID has, you know, definitely um, kind of dampered that uh, relationship as obviously a lot of people were uh, isolating and kind of just closing down and they weren't doing their group runs and things like that. Uh, but yeah, we have a nice little niche uh, seeing, seeing runners. Uh, and I would say the big thing I've noticed, and I guess this will segue into our topics, is the I, I'd say the two big things are being able to connect and communicate with runners and why they need to probably do less running and yeah. you know more of some of the other stuff, uh, being able to get that message across. Cause all they want to do is run. Mm-hmm. I, I find them to be a unique breed. I don't mean that in a negative way. There's different and their mind works different and they're, they're in a sport that, you know, relies, you don't need to be social for, um, you know, a lot of times it's runs by yourself. Or maybe with somebody else, but you know, a lot of talking is not going on. And most sports, running is punishment, and we don't like to do it. We just want to play the sport and not run in condition. So I think right there, that becomes just a different breed and mindset in being able to enjoy long distance running um, as a as a hobby or a sport. Mm. Uh, the other thing I think is just movement deficiencies. Yeah. Um, they do one thing: they run, and they're in a sagittal plane. Um, you know, 90% of the time they sit down at work, probably, uh, running is their stress, uh, outlet, you know, they can go out for miles and just kind of clear their head out. Um, so they're only moving in one plane. So I notice a lot of these guys or, and gals, uh, have trouble, uh, moving in different planes. And that's where my treatment tends to go really trying to communicate to them and then develop different movement patterns or different variability. Mm. uh what about you jay what have you noticed with runners yeah i mean to piggyback off of you know, what you were saying uh i've i try and do some presentations at local clubs and running stores and that sort of stuff and i'll bring up the story of when i made a presentation on performance with running so trying to increase you know your speed your your time your duration uh how many miles you could per week so i was bringing up all the research and literature for that. And um, most of it was, you know, not running or working on interval running or strength training and all that sort of stuff. And one, by the time I like paid attention and looked at the, the crowd there, I was, I was getting a lot of daggers. And at the end of the question, end of the thing was, you know, you know, how can we prevent from, you know, I have Achilles this and, and you know, telephemoral runner's knee and that's how i prevent that i was just like all this stuff here that i just presented on and it was probably asked three different ways and my answer was still like yeah this stuff and each time you can just see 
the disappointment it wasn't the answer of like yeah should i switch up my shoes or switch up my runs <laughs> like all right you know clearly i'm not presenting this well enough and i was a little bit younger so i uh, need to read the audience a little bit better but yeah i thought i was gonna get stabbed in the parking lot later but <laughs> um yeah the main thing is uh you know based off of you know the same stuff that you're saying is um you know that connection piece is big understand their why behind it um i have you know we have an ultra marathon runner who owns a gym and this sort of stuff so it's kind of like his business to run to the degree that he runs but he understands it comes at sometimes a cost to his body and then there's some people that it's like legitimately their sanity um and they'll do whatever it takes just to kind of go about doing it so kind of getting on their level understanding it um versus you know certain situations maybe when i was younger i'd be like listen you're you're just running yourself into the ground and not understanding the why that they needed to do that and then working on you know potentially giving some other options um you know yeah i think overall like motor control a lot of the individuals that kind of pick up running uh are these people who've never actually really done anything that's the beauty about running is it's naturally you know programmed into our into our brain there to run it's natural instinct to a degree now we now we all all do it well um but it's programmed into us it's cheap um and you know it doesn't really require much besides sneakers but i'm starting to find out you know there was a lot of people like i do it because it doesn't cost anything and you start adding up all the sneakers and the events and the races and all that sort of stuff they're paying more than gym memberships per month but yeah uh, nonetheless um so those oh, and don't forget the the awesome lululemon pants that they have to buy to, to run you into to. you have to it shaves off at least 10 seconds yeah. <laughs> uh, i gotta got finish what you're saying i gotta yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah that's that's the main thing is even even things in the sagittal plane that you're talking about they're having trouble with um and i want to say like they're you know we mentioned on the show motor morons or anything like that but they, you know, they go from maybe not having any experience in sports or anything like that and going into running or they're ramping up like that. It's just the big thing is like, um, especially a lot of runners, you know, has its benefits. You can lose a ton of weight from it and they'll just keep running, 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 increasing their, their load, load, load. And, um, and eventually they hit that brick wall and then pain problems, issues happen um and they just never had the right foundation or didn't build up the capacity quite right so those are a lot of the big things that you know i said just from just overall big picture stuff um you know i don't kind of go as crazy into like you know you know running forms as much as i used to um but kind of just more bonding with the patient kind of seeing the why behind things and then looking at the the basics there but brand what were you about to say uh, in regards to that lululemon yeah so and kind of piggybacking off of your story where you gave these awesome presentations and, you know, your, your community or you think you're communicating to, okay, guys, you want to do this. We need to do X, Y, and Z, right. Or whatever, however you broke down. And then they're like, okay, yeah, but um, you know, what, what else can, can we do? Like they want us that like silver bullet or that magic thing, you know, yep. without putting, and they all know that they have to put in the work. They just don't want to just want that quick fix. They are too. So speaking of cost, right. Um, I have a, a client. She, she's a regular now. She comes back and forth and she has bought a, and she doesn't have a, you know, terribly high paying job. You know, it's, you know, she's a blue collar worker has bought a pair of Normatech boots 
thousand dollars to at least. Um, actually, she has the knockoff ones, the Aerolax. I shouldn't say okay. knockoff, but the lesser the brand, right? The, not the name brand, right? Yeah, so yeah, what yeah. anywhere from five to a thousand, like you said. Yeah, it's like five hundred, eight hundred bucks. So she she has bought that. Yeah. Doesn't use them. I think she used them once or twice. She said. Um, has bought a Peloton because she thought that'd be a nice alternative to run and give her body a break and introduce different movement patterns. Though it's still on the sagittal plane. Cycling. Not, not, not yeah. connecting that dot there. Um, barely uses that. I would like to buy it off her in a couple of years. <laughs> Just put it in office. Hopefully she doesn't listen. <laughs> um, she, unless I tell her about this, she's probably not listening. Okay. She right. my my uh, wretched voice during our treatment sessions of of what we should do and stuff. And I'll, I'll tell you about that in a second. What else has she bought? The Hypervolt. Okay. So doesn't really use it. 350. Yeah, always has the best clothes. I'm I'm actually a little jealous. Like they're they're nice. Like uh, Lulu or Athleta or Aloe. You know, really high end pants. Um, cool designs too. Um, and then you know sneakers, like you said, goes to uh, to Fleet Feet and you know running shoes. Good ones are usually up. You know, over a hundred dollars. And obviously you have to replace them, or they say to replace them every three to six hundred miles. Right, somewhere in that window, or every three to six months, somewhere in that window. I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, personally, granted, I'm not a long distance runner. You know, I'll run my, you know, three miles at a clip um, mm-hmm. on a good day, maybe four, but I'm usually between like two and three. I'll, I'll run uh, just to kind of keep my decent cardio. But I, I run in shoes that are like 10 years old. I don't know. I'm fine. I don't have, you know, plantar fasciitis or, mm-hmm. um, you know, hip pain from running and things like that, uh, or back pain, you know, I'm fine. So I don't know how often you really need to, to get a new pair of shoes, but again, I'm not running, you know, 10 miles at a clip and things like that. So that might, that might change, but, um, there may be an argument you have, you have, you ever read board to run like, you know, and there are people in other countries and stuff like that. And they're running barefoot. Um, I forget the guy's name right now. There was that marathoner, you know, who ran basically externally rotated, oh, pronated, and he was like a world champion, like fastest mile time or marathon That's time ever. Marathon. Yeah, it's That's like his way. he's got the worst pronated feet. And like feet. Crappy, crappiest feet, crappiest shoes, you know, people from other countries that are just underprivileged and they're running barefoot for, you know, miles. So, I mean, how much of it is you need this or how much is this is the running community or, or researchers that are marketing and just want to sell you a new pair of shoes um every six months you know who probably came out with this nike um you know they want to sell you more shoes so i have more deviating off of uh this topic <laughs> to, to different things but um you know that's probably at least your worries communicating to your patient to to not maybe buy shoes as often now that's that's not the low-hanging fruit though they think it is um it may be the short-term fix uh there you go my man Oh, yeah, look at that. That is some stream valgus going on at that ankle or pronation. And I'm assuming doesn't have that much pain or very little pain, um, at least not enough pain to stop him from uh, being, you know, the tops in the world at running. Exactly. So, you know, how much of it is actual mechanics and a perfect stride mm-hmm. um, for some people? But anyway, back to uh, we'll get to that in a second. Back to <laughs> this lady who buys every toy in her son instead of addressing what we need to address, which mm-hmm. is 
her movement deficiencies, um, being able to perform a deadlift um, or a hinging pattern, being able to stand on one leg with one knee up in the air, like in a single leg stance for, you know, more than 0.2 seconds before falling over, being able to do a chop or a lift in a half kneeling position, being able to squat 20 pounds. Um, right. And that leads to her becoming more and more rigid, more and more stiff, because now her body can't operate under the load and duration and intensity she needs to and wants to as a runner. So the body is only going to allow you to move in, in, uh, motions, range of motions or limits that it feels safe on. And other than that, it's going to stiffen up and she's, uh, you know, only 30 something years old becoming very, very stiff that of some like 60, 70 year old women I've treated. Um, and it's like, we need to move. So I saw her, I think pre pandemic and, uh, you know, then she had a race and she ran a record time, uh, a per, you know, personal best for her. And she had come back, you know, after now. So this is now present day. And she's like, you know, there might be something onto these lunges in the strength training because last time I was here you now a year and a half ago, um, I ran a personal best after I finished with you. Mm. Right. And, mm. and still she, she, she does it cause she knows, but she, she fights me on every, every, every yeah. little thing. So again, it's that communication piece. It's that buy-in piece. Yeah. I've now gotten to the point where, you know, we do, we do some manual. I do my, my corrective exercise with her and then my loading exercise. And I pick two, two main lifts and like some accessory stuff to kind of work on. And then like, mentally she's just like i'm done i can't do anymore and it's like cool we'll leave it for for today yeah. meanwhile there's a thousand things i could i would love to work on her in the session but i know for her she can only tolerate probably more mentally or emotionally you know doing a couple things rather than you know 50 things mm -hmm. um, is, so yeah what are you gonna say i'm blowing because they can run with continuously for hours on end you know hour hour and a half what you know with pain or yeah <laughs> with pain or you're just doing it but all of a sudden you introduce some load and that sort of stuff and they're like one they're wiped out but two it's just like like yeah i'm good i'm like your run time is usually 30 40 more minutes than this why like you know why are you so afraid of this sort of stuff yeah. i think what you said like buying you know get the buy-in i say uh, especially for these and you know hate to knock runners but there's sometimes your frequent flyers uh with sort of things that i i try and do is you know buy your time in a sense where it's like yeah i may give them what they want uh what i mentioned before is like i for whatever reason art is very big in the runner realm yeah it's a quick fix and i'm part of like a runner's group and uh on facebook and a couple of them at this point and you know everybody throws in like i have this what do i do um and then like especially with the arts and that sort of stuff it's just like i have ART every time i have it i just go and get it it feels great gets me through the race or something like that so i'm like it's always like every time i have it i go mm -hmm. get it my thought process is like why well, actually fix it don't get Treat it, it <laughs> and you'll you'll be fine but you'll spend, you know, $60, $70 for ART session. So mm -hmm. especially with the runners and that sort of stuff, I'll try and like, you know, essentially buy my time where early on, you know, I may do some more manual than I would typically would do, make them feel good, try not to scare them with too much weights, even though I'm like dying to give them some. 
Um, like one of the runners I was referencing the the couple there. Um, I had him for a couple things in the past and that sort of stuff. And anytime bands, okay. Once they started throwing some weights and that sort of stuff, uh, you know, it was it was no go. And I'm like, yeah, try and encourage them. And I always try and spit the performance stuff, especially if they're the performance stuff. Recreational runners, a little tougher. But if it's like I've hit a wall, I'm like, this will get you past the wall. And that's mm-hmm. when they may add, like, maybe be able to buy in a little bit more, but I'll work on a little bit more. And, you know, it's usually like two, three weight, weighted exercises. And when they'll say, they're like, God, I'm sweating or I'm dying. I'm like, you run for an hour and a half. And I gave you two exercises of three to four sets and all of a sudden you're wiped out. So, you know, hopefully they, they, they sip the Kool-Aid and that sort of stuff. But unfortunately, especially that with that kind of quick fix, let me get some ART, they anticipate, well, if I do, you know, a couple weight training sessions, I'm going to get that PR the next time I run. <laughs> like, no, it's going to take a couple of weeks at least for it to really, you know, adapt and change some tissues. But yeah, um, yeah they're definitely a unique breed, but um, it's always fun. I think it's always great, uh, especially like in your case, with our, our triathlete guy, he's getting PRs uh, first time in years um where you have these have these people hit these walls and all of a sudden they're getting prs um and significant ones it's one thing if you shave off a second uh, you know maybe the wind helped you that day or you dropped a big one in the bathroom beforehand you got a little bit lighter or something like that but when you're shaving off seconds huh i said that's what it is yeah come on i used to i used to do the the broad street every uh lighter yeah yeah it's a 10 miler and that sort of stuff and if I was going light, it was, it was a very easy race. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, especially when you're making those big changes, you know, a couple 30 seconds, 20 seconds at triathlon person like that, him, and his wife do him every year. And my goal is to make sure he beats his wife. So apparently his wife beats him on the, uh, on the swim. Okay. And then it's the, it's the run that he has any, like the bike and the run, he has any chance to catch up, but apparently he's blowing him out. And that's uh, I'm like, all right, tell her, tell her time's up. So it's that's, I think that's the most fun part of things with them. But, um, Brian, what uh, we kind of talked about some, I guess, some trends that we see in our runners just from a, I guess, a, you know, persona wise and that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. anything specific. And maybe we can kind of go through like some subjective objective, maybe dash a little treatment, but anything in the subjective thing, some cues or anything like that, that you hear or listen to, um that makes you want to look at something and address something or anything like that beyond what we've already kind of discussed uh can you give me an example i'm trying to what do you mean by let's say like when we're running and like let's say well, breaking down some things of oh i pray in early in the run or at the end or after my run or anything that you hear that's a common or particular to runners um in that subjective piece and figure we can yeah, and go into some objective and or some big uh things that you like to look at with your runners yeah i think it, for runners i think that one's uh, a little harder pure subjective because i'm going to relate it to objective findings and if you just watch runners run um and granted this is bias and pattern recognition right mm-hmm. here in my description 
um, which I know we're always talking about test your tests and try to be objectifiable as possible. Most runners though, I'm gonna, I'm gonna generalize here. Most runners are knee or quad dominant and you'll see a lot of knee pain, yeah. which will lead to a lot of hip pain because of the way they have to swing their leg or they're lacking actual knee drive um, or they actually can't drive their knee up high enough. Um, so they, they get a lot of hip pain with that or like IT band tightness. And it really comes down to lacking hip strength, glute med, glute max, hamstring strength, uh, you know, coordination, like what we were talking about, a little bit of motor morons. I mean, you get a runner to do an RDL with 35 pounds and they're shaking like a stripper um like a stripper (laughs) low low back you know uh, especially runners as they fatigue and you'll see you'll hear this a lot most runners they're okay in the beginning they're fresh they're fine usually that four five six seven mile somewhere in that range depending on you know what they're doing they're gonna get more whatever their symptoms are are amplified at that time um i find runners actually run too erect um Yep. Long distance runners run too erect. They need to have a little bit more of a forward lean. Uh, I don't know if we should even get into pose running and things like that and cadence, uh, which I think is oftentimes probably too overblown. Um, and a lot of times the quick fix and the answer is, oh, just increase your cadence uh, mm-hmm. because what that does actually shortens your stride. Uh, but is that actually fixing what's happening? Do you need to shorten your stride because you don't have the flexibility or endurance um, to have and generate the same force throughout each stride after 10,000 steps or strides? Um, understanding what muscles, you know, this is now gait and running gait that are um, into effect. And I don't know how, if people have run track, but understanding what a hill workout is like and what muscles you need for a hill workout. Again, that actually works on you leaning forward and driving your knees up, mm-hmm. um, but you're getting your power from triple extension of hip, knee, and plantar flexion. So you need to work on that posterior chain. Um, trying to find out, you know, if they had a run that was more uneven or hilly, what type of pain and where did they feel it and how long versus something that was flat versus something, you know, maybe they're trying to do a sprint workout. You know, so when you're when you're treating them, you know, being able to explain and you were talking about trying to make those connections for patients. So they have that PR. Hey, you know how that last kick or that last leg when you're trying to amp it up and you don't have juice, you know, this exercise is going to help with it. Or, you know, when you're running up a hill and you, you just can't get your feet moving enough or your time really just takes a dump, you know, working on, you know, these posterior chain exercises was going to help kind of give you that extra juice or extra power in your run, um, you know, strengthening your legs and improve your running economy, which is then going to allow you to run further, more efficiently, you know, making these connections of what exercise you're doing is helping. Um, so it kind of, I would say, you know, you kind of have to see the move and get a good understanding of running what's going on to, mm-hmm. to be able to treat them. I, I'd say when in doubt, you know, a lot of these patellofemoral pain syndromes or IT band syndromes or, FAI aren't really uh, the, or Achilles tendinopathy and things like that aren't actually, you know, you've said it before, the, the site isn't, um, the site of pain isn't where the injury is, right? And I find a lot of these, these runners need to, uh, one, learn to move in different planes, two, uh, probably looking at their low back, and, and three, looking at their, their hips, um, both mobility-wise and strength-wise, 
um, and not just the glutes, you know, hitting the, the hamstrings, very, very crucial um, in runners. And I know we're not talking about sprinters, but if you look at sprinters, one of the most commonly common injuries of sprinters is, you know, uh, a sprain, a strain of their, their biceps, uh, biceps femoris, right? Um, so clearly something is not happening on that posterior side on the long distance runners. And then on the sprinters, that glute and hamstring there, there's not a correct balance or sequence that's happening there, um, with sprinters. So I don't know if I answered your question there, but that's how I kind of go about viewing it. So that gives me insight to when they tell me something subjectively, I know where to look on their body objectively. So it's kind of a roundabout way of getting to it, but yeah, kind of a dynamic flow and wheel of things. So no, I, I agree uh, with what you're saying with those sort of things. And, um, you know, piggyback off what you said, some things about like changing up cadence and um, even changing up like the postures of things and, you know, telling people you know, change up where their you know, foot landing is and that sort of stuff. Um, I used to kind of, you know, try and play around with that a lot earlier on and find little value into that. If anything, I probably screwed up more people, uh, runners, especially the injured runners tend to be more in their heads than just about any athlete. Um, so trying to teach them, Hey, I need you to increase the pace a little bit, um, or extend the hips a little bit more, or, you know, try and land on X, Y, Z part of your foot. Um, that tends to screw them up even more at times, uh, can potentially even lead to some hypervigilance, uh, and over thought process of a certain area. Um, so, you know, I try and again, look and see what other things can be done. What can we strengthen? What can we, uh, you know, improve the motor control or movement pattern, uh, and see how far that takes us versus trying to go and, uh, um, you know, do it you know, by changing their form and up and those sort of things. Uh, I think, you know, things that you said, like, you know, having later on pain and those sort of things are spot on. A lot of runners, they'll, they'll have that pain even early on and then it fades away. It's like it hurts as soon as they get up and then as soon as they get to mile two and that sort of stuff, uh, it dissipates as well. I sort of think that's probably a more muscular base. Uh, they're trying to finally gain some things warmed up and now you've now got some contraction and activation of tissues and now you know they're fine and then they die afterwards um you know those are the ones that we may need to highlight more of those like hey i need you to do some active warm-ups beforehand or a little bit more maybe especially of those glutes and hamstrings uh those later longer longer distance runners uh, they start to say that the pain starts to come out towards the end of the run or right afterwards and that sort of stuff um and they kind of sometimes report some things like their leg feels sluggish or it's going through quicksand. There's almost a disconnect between the legs. Um, those I start to even start to think of things maybe further from the site, uh, maybe some neural stuff um, just because that disconnect, you know, that's not going to be so much your muscles. Us don't certainly turn off in the middle of things, especially when you're utilizing them. There's a fatigue factor, but it should be fatigue factor in both. So, you know, and then always kind of what I try and listen to or why I try and probe because most people won't make that link is, as we mentioned before, countless at times on the show is, um, you know, asking about other areas as, you know, Brandon alluded to, um, you know, pain, pain is a liar uh, or, you know, again, something's 
potentially coming from another area. So stiffnesses, tightnesses of certain areas, I don't let that slide anymore. I used to, you know, kind of blow it off in the runners. I'm like you're running like, you know, 80 miles a week, everything's going to be tight. But especially when they're reporting just one area, like, oh, just the left side of my back or just the left hip or something like that. And that correlates with things, um, the ankle, whatever it may be. Um, you know, that's probably some uh, important telltale sign. Um, you just have to go probing because yeah, a lot of them are just so focused on their knee pain that happens at mile five. It has to be my knee versus something else that could be going on. But um, yeah, so. Um, I guess kind of tie into, unless you have something to piggyback off of, you know, we talked about some subjective and those sort of things and like money things that you always like to look at in particular in your runners, besides I obviously running, probably Um, you mentioned the RDL. I don't know if that's something you integrate all the time. Um, Is there anything like these are the money ones? Um, I get, I like to integrate those. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, manual therapy wise, I'm, I'm usually looking at the, the hips, low back, uh, joint play. Yeah. Joint play, accessory motion, even range of motion that TL junctions tends to be huge runners, especially, like I said, a lot of them tend to be too upright. Mm. Um, they're, they're extending too much. Um, obviously foot and ankle. I like anytime I work on anything foot and ankle related, I am clearing out the whole foot, uh, the tallow cruel joint, the rear foot, the midfoot, the forefoot, big toe extension, especially like I clean it all up. It really doesn't take too long to, to do so. You're there anyway. Just spend a couple extra minutes just cleaning up those, uh, those areas. Cause especially if somebody doesn't have that true dynamic stability, their body inherently is just going to stiff up naturally to try and give them that stability. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at that stuff in terms of exercise. Yeah. Move well, move often. Right. We've, we've kind of talked about that. So I want them, they do enough running. I don't need to work on running with them. I need to uh, either offload some errors and structures um, or just, you know, get them to get used to moving in different ways. So they have some variability um, when they are moving. So yeah, I'm looking at, can I normalize your squat? All right. Can we get you to squat? Good. Um, even if it's just a parallel, like I, I don't need you to squat ass to grass. I just need you. Can we get you to parallel pretty neutral without you just like falling over? Mm. Uh, can we get you to do a hinge? Uh, that's what I'm looking at. Uh, some type of core exercise, a chop, uh, knee tucks or a pike on the physio ball, um, or, or, or maybe like some type of farmer's carry. Uh, and then I love my, my lunges statically offloaded, you know, unilaterally, or, you know, have them hold uh, a 15 pound weight on one arm, hanging down with one arm up here with some weight against core, um, and a step up with a knee drive with or without weight. So there's some dynamic, um, mo- movements there as well as something that replicates running and mm-hmm. it gets them used to driving that knee up, balancing, letting their hips or pelvis stabilized there and having their core work and glute engaged, uh, get terminal knee extension, which a lot of them can or don't, um, don't have that awareness. So those are usually my, my kind of go-to exercises. Of course, I'm going to, you know, modify them as needed, um, with them, but you know, a lot of runners I've noticed, they just can't do an RDL. They have no hamstring strength. They have no glute strength or maybe motor control awareness of, of how that is. Like, yeah. Um, they, they literally shake and tremble uh, after that. I've had two, actually, well, one's in conversation. The other one I had, 
Um, she was a swimmer in high school, college, then has done CrossFit for years and recently has done triathlons. Um, she was never injured. I saw her once because she tweaked like her mid backslash rib, uh, manipulated her, gave her some self mobs on a foam roll and stuff. And then she was fine and did great. Uh, I think she did so well because she was so, uh, and she's a lean person to begin with. She's just strong. Like she does CrossFit. She weight trains. Um, and she continued to weight train while she was training, cycling, swimming, and, and running for her triathlon. Um, I'm talking to a gentleman. He's in Florida. He's a PT, owns his own CrossFit gym. But his new hobby um, now is is uh, triathletes, uh, triathlon. So, you know, he, he was telling me how he had a picture. You know, someone got him and a bunch of other guys um, coming out of the water running. And he's like, why is this dude so jacked? And he's like, oh, that's me. Um, like he was like the biggest guy there and he doesn't really have any injuries and he does well with it because he does cross training. He, he integrates that. So if we can get that message around to other runners, hey, you don't need to run eight days a week. Um, I'm exaggerating. Most of them will run five days with two off days in there. And then they'll have a long run and a shorter run and then some tempo runs. Like you probably don't need all that. You probably need to integrate you know, two days of strength training, mm-hmm. you know, instead of running three miles for a short run, how about you go strength train? Yep. What's that really going to do for you? Right. Um, so, or maybe have a three mile run instead of doing a six mile run, you do a three mile run and some working out like some weight training. So uh, being able to, to integrate that. And what about you, Jay? What do you like to, to look for? Um, I don't know if when you did your sports fellowship, did they have any clinical um, pearls on on runners? I think they had a running section. I'm not sure if you had a chance to take that running uh, specific course. I know you wanted to, um, but yeah, if you could. I did. Um, I didn't get a chance to take it. Um, I think we had a course. Uh, I'll probably will take it. They have a running rehab specialist kind of course. I did the, as part of the uh, fellowship. There's electives. I decided to take dry needling. Uh, even though yeah. can't do it in New Jersey, but um, just because I wanted it's great for anatomy, and again, I wanted to get that skill hopefully for one day when it comes back. But yeah, they definitely emphasized it, talked about it. It was getting kind of like a piece of things, and then if you wanted to go more into it, they have the full course. Um, yeah, things I like to look for, uh, something even before the fellowship. Uh, I like the lateral step down test, um, I think that's a quick and dirty way. Uh, to just get an objective measurement. Obviously, it's kind of subjective to the person looking at it. But most of them, I mean, I mean the lateral step down is just the similar motion to a run, you know, same amount of knee flexion at times. Um, and it's just a control thing. And they almost always, you know, have poor dynamics, knee valgus, or they'll shift their trunk over, lack the adequate dorsiflexion. So it gives me a lot all at one picture. And then it becomes my gauge uh, and then becomes a patient gauge as well. Um, and then it becomes on top of that becomes an exercise. I'm like, this is, you know, we most runners, I would say 90% plus at least get up. They run in the morning for the most part, get up, rotten and go half of them wear their running stuff to bed, put on their shoes and go other half, leave it all nicely packed up and ready to go. So to ask them to do something beforehand, highly unlikely but something like the lateral step down uh find a curb and do this hit some glute mead 
Um, we're working on control, prepping the motion and preparation to kind of avoid, you know, some of those excessive knee valgusers. Um, and, you know, you're working some ankle range of motion. So I, I like it from an objective standpoint. I'll look at their squat just, you know, as you mentioned before, just can they do a normal squat? Um, and a lot of them can't, which is, you know, pretty surprising. It's like I saw you get up out of the chair and then I say you come do a squat and they're completely different patterns and that sort of stuff. Um, I'll do some things where, um, you know, trying to have them like do the running motion in a slow motion kind of way, just kind of see a quality control. But, um, yeah, a lot of it's, you know, getting them on the table, uh, seeing some things, you know, everything I mentioned manually, I think some big things are hip extension. A lot of people are the pusher style runners. Um, so they're erect, as you mentioned before, which I see a ton of, and they're just going from hip flexion to neutral hip flexion, neutral hip flexion, neutral. Um, and you know, that's leads to some knee pain, ankles, not getting to full dorsiflexion because they don't get to that full end stance phase, um, you know, and their hips and stuff. So I like to make sure they have adequate hip extension. So many of them, um, can't even get past neutral hip extension. So they can't get their knee past their trunk in a sense. Um, so that's what I like to look for, especially those longer ones that we talked about. Uh, we're paying longer in the, in the moment. Uh, looking at neurodynamics, we talked about that in an episode, especially with longer, uh, you know, injuries or high intense interval stuff. So you got to think you're ramping up that nervous system, doing something in the sympathetic uh, nervous system for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, three hours you know, you're a winding it up and that sort of stuff. Do they have good mobility of that? Um, so, you know, those are things I like to look at. So I'll look at sciatic nerve. If it's something more distal, you know, look at, you know, tibial nerve, sural nerve. I like to now spend a lot of time looking at femoral nerve, those IT bands that just don't get better. A lot of femoral cutaneous. Um, so those are a lot of things I like to look at, um, you know, and then, you know, assessing the spine and such. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I like the RDLs. I think may have gotten that from you from the past and that sort of stuff versus just purely lateral step down and, you know, half of them, you know, they can't keep their hips level and they're shaking all around. So, um, I also like to look at the, cause almost all of them will do the runner stretch, which is, I believe the calf stretch against the wall. <laughs> uh, but then when you actually look at their, you know, weight bearing dorsiflexion, none of them can get, you know, the what standards about fist five inches or whatever it may be. And none of them can get it like, well, I do this stretch and that sort of stuff. And you know, they're trying to passively stretch the tissue, the muscle, the gastro complex, um, but doing nothing for the joint itself. So, you know, you're hearing that roadblock at that joint, you know, you're just not going to get very far. So again, that kind of ties into my treatment as well. So I'll see that hop them on the table, mobilize them, see how they do afterwards um to appease the runners a lot of the times i'll do the slow motion videos on my cameras and i'm like looking in slow motion so they know that i'm looking at it and a lot of the times i'm like all right yeah it looks you know okay now i'm gonna try and change too much but based off what i saw on the table and how you run if we can work on these strengths of xyz it's going to kind of self-correct itself versus you losing your mind, trying to, you know, tweak things on your own. So yeah, it's kind of how I like to go about things and obviously some offshoots, offshoots and branches from all that, but in a nutshell, that's kind of 
what I take a look at for sure. Yeah, I just want to, um, I guess, add on to what you were saying. You made some great points. Like you said, ta- uh, chronically tight IT band. You're looking at lateral femoral, lateral femoral cutaneous nerve. Uh, people, runners, always complain about tight hamstrings. All right. Instead of stretching them, uh, look at that sciatic nerve or hamstring strength or glute strength. Chronically tight calves, and they, they stretch enough that you know they think that's the, t- the ticket. Like Jeremy said, looking at ankle dorsiflexion, mobility. I'm also looking at uh, sciatic, tibial, sorol, uh, sorol uh, nerves, plantar heel pain or bottom foot pain. Same thing, sorol nerve. Uh, that you know, peroneal tendonitis diagnosis they might get. You know, look at the ankle dorsiflexion or look at peroneal nerves. Um, you know, these are things that you know, when you begin to, to think outside the box and stop looking at everything as muscle, 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 um, like we're taught or fascia, 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 mm-hmm. um, you find that, you know, the, the low hanging fruit tends to be more neurodynamics joint based and then movement control, uh, and whatever falls under that umbrella that you want to put under movement control. So I think, uh, it's kind of it for, for, uh, what I have to say, I don't know if you have any other parting words or wisdom that you want to kind of pass on? No, I think, uh, I think, uh, it's pretty good for today. And, uh, you know, just wrapping it all up and, you know, starting from the top, you know, talking about the understanding of the kind of psyche behind the, um, runner and then, um, you know, trying to get them to buy in, you know, again, to the things that they're probably not doing. Um, and then, you know, dressing it from a whole, as we mentioned, you know, pretty much on every episode, every clinical episode on here, <laughs> um, you know, trying to look at all the points and everything like that, and then not just treating the area of pain. But no, I think that's great. Um, I'm sure we can lead off into some other more in-depth conversations about, you know, either treatment or whatever it may be, or to go into the, the sprinter athlete. But uh, yeah, I think that's pretty good for today. <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. Uh, quick announcements. We have, you know, big slate of courses coming up this fall, uh, uh-huh. cervical thoracic management in uh, Verona at Pursuit PT in September, lumbopelvic management at Jeremy's uh, place in Glassboro at Trifecta. Uh, we have a, a quick, fun one-day extremity course, upper and lower extremity course in November, and then our heavy hitter, uh, the popular one, spinal manipulation in December. So, you know, please check those out. Any questions, please feel free to email me or Jeremy. Uh, we also have our mentorship program, um, which is awesome. We got three fellows, myself, Jeremy, and Kyle Feldman, all from, from different schools uh, or different fellowship programs, but we have a, a similar mindset, but we also have different ways of looking at things. And we all have our strengths in different areas as well. So it's a great way to advance your, your knowledge, your career, your clinical practice, um, and even, you know, business side of things as well. Uh, so, you know, if you're interested in that or want more information, again, please feel free to reach out to me or Jeremy. Uh, all this information can be found on uh, our IOSMT website. So please go there and uh, hopefully we'll see you in one of our courses or on one of our uh, virtual round calls. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Great episode. And uh, hopefully uh, we can get our runners back on the back running out there. And Yep. Cheers, everybody. Cheers, guys.